0: Hello and welcome to the e-commerce brain trust podcast. I'm your host Kiri Masters, head of retail strategy at Acadia and today I'm joined by my colleague at Acadia, the head of retail marketplaces and retail media services, Julie Spear. Welcome back. Hi Kiri, good to be back. Yeah, so today we are talking about something that we see every week or two at Acadia, but for a brand, it's something that you might only do hopefully less than once a year. (laughs) Ideally, if done well. (laughs) If done well, and that is RFPs or requests for proposals. And we want to share what we see on the agency side that can really get an agency partnership going strong right from the beginning and very clear expectations set on both sides and and starting off on the right foot versus processes that maybe cause agencies that you'd like to work with to drop out or it's, you know, costing them a lot of time and money and things are unclear and things don't get started out on the right foot. So um, this is from our our perspective as a, a participant in RFPs, we're going to share um, how to run a good one. I love it. This is a, a
1: great topic because I I appreciate that the investment and an intention that needs to go into finding the right partner from the brand side is, is huge. It's putting a lot of trust in an unknown, and so I can appreciate the time and energy and, and leap of faith that all of this, the move to a new agency partner takes. And so understanding kind of um, from the multiple views of what works well in that search and in the process of discovering the right partner and what might create some roadblocks, I hope will be helpful for any moves moving forward.
0: Do you think, like, I was just thinking about this analogy, and I think it falls down in several critical places, but I was just thinking about RFP processes like dating. Oh, yeah. There's a buyer and a seller, That that's one place where it kind of falls down. <laughs> and, and
1: usually it's, it's very active dating because you're dating multiple people at once, so maybe it's like <laughs> The Bachelor yes. or something like that, like that version of dating.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But in its, in the one-to-one ratio, um, I could see it very much aligning with dating, mm. um, waiting for that, is that next call going to happen? Right. <laughs> and thinking that you click and have a great, you, you align on similar viewpoints and that all things are going well. Um, I think that the dating analogy could work. It just is it a little, it needs a little workshopping. It,
0: it needs a little, I think a better one actually just thinking it through is like a job interview where there is going to be a future exchange of monetary benefit. And there is also, you know, there's no point misrepresenting yourself as a candidate in a job interview because then you're going to end up with a job that you don't like or like, okay, let's run with it. Okay. Although as as a big Bravo TV fan, hope I'm not outing you there. But, you know, I'm proud. People, people okay. need to know. They do.
1: It's um, part of who I am.
0: It, it could become a pretty interesting reality TV concept.
1: Yeah, as we go through this conversation, I'll file that. I'll put it through the bravo <laughs> filter and see <laughs> see how I could position it to the the big wigs there, Andy Cohen.
0: See what kind of deal with it. All right, good stuff. So, let's start Julie with some of the again, pr- not naming names to protect the innocent, but like we've had some pretty bad RFP experiences as an agency, which I think for the most part most clients want to avoid they don't want to get a reputation as being a very difficult person or company to work with they want to start things out on the right foot and so I would imagine brands out there want to do the right thing but let's talk about like some of the worst experiences we've had on the agency side and like how that kind of might have soured our perception of those people or those companies
1: yeah I will think uh I think there are different elements of many RFPs that can come into play to create the picture of, or the list of like what we want to to avoid, what we want to avoid as an agency and not experience again. And with the brand, I don't think the brands ever um, at the outset aim to have these variables come into play and create a negative experience. Um, So I, I do look at it through that lens. But one of the things that comes to mind is... A key element is around timing. Really, from the brand side, measuring what you're looking for and applying a timeline to the RFP process that allows the agency to dig in and offer responses that are of high quality and reflective of the thought and time that is needed to give that quality response. So put simply, RFPs can often be very, very rushed mm-hmm. with unrealistic timelines attached to them that put the team kind of under a lot of pressure to mm-hmm. produce critical thought in a very quick and intense turnaround. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that that, it certainly doesn't serve the team well, who is delivering to existing clients and, and meeting other goals with integrity and focus. It doesn't bode well for the team, but as a result, the brand might not be getting the results and the complexity of ideas or innovation that they might be looking for in the RFP process.
0: Let me play the other side of the argument for a second, Julie. I mean, what's so hard about putting together capabilities, relevant experience? What's your approach to this? How is my account going to be? What is it about putting all that content together, that t- takes so much time on the agency side.
1: At face value, that's not difficult. We mm-hmm. can absolutely have a template, and we do. It's our basic capabilities of who we are, what our services are, and you know, basic team structure. But that's not what an RFP is about. An RFP, if you're going to the time to put together an RFP, you want responses that are custom to your brand, to your goals, to your needs. And so a blanket templated response, not only will it not be sufficient, it's not very fair to you as the brand, because then the agency isn't taking the time to understand you, your brand, your goals, your issues. And so we want to make sure that we're lining up that that unique picture of the brand with our responses. That does take time. It takes time to have that discovery and understanding and have that inform our responses.
0: Especially if we're talking about something like forecasts for sales and ad spend and how are we are going to allocate that ad spend and what should go where and we're sort of getting into the, the existing performance data. <laughs> That's time consuming. You want an agency to take time on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially if
1: you think about the different segments of your catalog and how you're going to invest and allocate investments across different segments of your catalog. And if you're launching new products, how does that inform investment and therefore the forecast for return? There are so many nuances that deserve the consideration and it takes time for that to happen. Yeah. Um, and it, and also to answer your question, Carrie no two RFPs are created the same. There's yeah. not actually a standardized RFP in <laughs> from the brand side to the agency. So they're all
0: presented with their own unique flair. Yeah, because um, brands have different objectives and requirements and stakeholders. It totally makes sense. And from that perspective as well, on the stakeholder side... Is there anything there that has been um, challenging in terms of who, who the stakeholders are on the brand side? Too few, so things get approved and then they have to be re-socialized internally or too many stakeholders. What have you seen work there and not?
1: I think what what works well is when the stakeholders are there for the process, when Key stakeholders come in at different stages, often left needing to revisit key points Mm. or territory that's already been covered. And, you know, we only have 45 to 60 minutes for the call to hit these key marks at this stage. So we're not going to go back over essential information that we had in call number one. Right. When you don't have consistency of team in the evaluation and decision making process, that can lead to spotty information share. That can lead to Uh, the agency perhaps needing to revisit key points that were shared earlier, which means they're not touching on essential points that really move the conversation forward. So what I would say is less about role and who needs to be at the table. It's more about deciding at the outset who needs to be at the table and having them at the table. Throughout the process. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: What about some of the other negative experiences we've had, things that didn't go very well?
1: There are instances, a lot of brands are beholden to a procurement process that protects the brand and and it's important to follow those processes. Sometimes as a part of that process, brands need to include a certain quantity of service providers in the RFP process. And so if service providers fall out partway through, then the brand is needing to plug in to continue to meet that threshold of, of agencies that are being evaluated. So there have been instances where we were not necessarily a part of the process at the outset. And so we came in as building out that list of service providers and, and then doing a great job because we're, we we, <laughs> we get excited about these things and continuing through. But then again, going to that timeline, we then needed to meet the same timeline as the rest of the brands in the process. So we yeah. were very accelerated. C- and had playing catch up. Playing catch up. And yeah. that's not ideal. So yeah. if you're just being, if the RFP process is so uh, strict that the you know, key bullet points, you can't veer off of them at all to put the whole thing at risk on the brand side. It really makes it a challenge for agencies to move through the process with without a lot of friction.
0: This is related to my key gripe. I might be a little more direct than you.
1: Am I being too <laughs> careful? I can no, like lose. <laughs> well,
0: this is what I see happen sometimes is, you know, where especially as a retail media, retail marketplaces agency, we're in a space where there's a lot of, you know, there's the holding company agencies, there's a lot of independence. We're a mid-size independent. And a lot of brands, especially the larger ones, have to your point about a procurement, procurement requirements or preferences. They sort of need to bring in a challenger solution provider to the mix. And sometimes in in some occasions we get to the end and it was very clear right from the beginning that the brand knew who they wanted to hire and they bring in a challenger agency because they have to, and there's never any intention of of hiring them. And that that really is a is a big bummer as you can imagine for an agency to go to even, you know, over a hundred hours of preparation and effort to realize you never even had a chance. I'm not sure what to do about that, but I want to express that <laughs> we remember these things.
1: <laughs> but yeah, and then you just hope like karma comes around where you're the the <laughs> preferred agency in another process. But I think to play off that, Carrie, mm. it's sometimes there can be the preferred agency. Sometimes there's also like the preferred solution or mm. preferred profile of yeah. the partner. Okay. Where, so at sometimes <laughs> brands could be really where their needs are and what they're looking for. If they were to really put it out and, you know, bullet point of what that profile is, it's a software solution. Mm. But in the mix in the RFP, there's a managed services agency partner. Right. Or the flip side, you know, they brands might include a software solution, whereas what they're really looking for is that human human partner hands on keyboard that's going to innovate and put together the mix of the best software solutions to support um, meeting their goals. Having, I think that goes back to kind of a beginning, maybe best practice for brands to consider is to be super clear on the profile of what you're looking for. Right. And to be honest about it internally before engaging in that search, because I think it kind of goes to what you're saying of like, brands can be super clear on what they're looking for and then there's a token that fills it out. Yeah. Sometimes they're just not as clear that it's a software solution, but they have put a managed services agency in there for the conversation.
0: Yeah. So it could be, I mean, there's different ways to skin the cat when we're talking about retail marketplace management and retail media. There is agencies, there is software, there is software that includes a managed service component Mm -hmm there are resellers which you wrote a great blog post about a couple of weeks ago we're going to cover that on the podcast yeah. next week very different approaches to managing a marketplace channel and retail media and i think to 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 extend your point a little bit making the decision about which modality you want to best suits you as a brand before engaging solution providers. That's a critical step rather than let's run an RFP with a reseller, an agency, and a software solution. That's not really fair. You are literally comparing apples and oranges. In-
1: apples, oranges and sweet potatoes. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. So a better, a better approach would be let's understand those different modalities and decide what's going to be the best fit for our brand given resources, goals, situation, all of that kind of thing, and then run an RFP that includes just solution providers of that type of solution. So that brings up the opportunity to have that
1: pre-step in the RFP process that not many brands include, and that's the RFI. Oh, request for information to really, if you're not clear at the outset, what the difference actually could be for you taking the resellers out, because that is a very different model when you're considering like, continuing to own your own product and sell direct and
0: I can, just as a side note, I agree. From looking at a number of these resellers' websites over the last couple of weeks to get some examples. It's not always clear that that's they are true. resellers. Very <laughs> true. I would forgive a brand that's like sort of new to all of this and trying to figure things out of like, you know, not getting that. And some of the resellers have a managed service component while still being resellers too. But anyway, I'd, I just wanted to, to clarify that as well.
1: No, that is a really good call out. <laughs> So but to that point request for information if you're not super clear what the path is for you and you're mm-hmm. trying to wrap your head around what what really might be best for partnering for our team for our goals and all of that request for information start at the information stages don't right away be looking for the agency or service provider to map out how, what their strategy is and all of that instead work to gain some understanding of who they are what they do and a bit of how they work so yep. then you can filter it down before mm-hmm. you get to the RFP itself which is much more labor intensive this and
0: is custom this is such a good tip what percentage of RFP processes would you estimate we get involved it with that do start with an RFI first when it's explicitly
1: stated as RFI less than 5% wow Usually the process is, would you like to be a part of an RFP? We're going to, stage one is um, agency capabilities, which will include an element of how would you solve this problem? And then stage two is show us your work. And there's not, because everything is so time restrictive, everyone's so busy, there's not a lot of time in that capabilities session to really do the, the information share of like the who we are piece. Yeah.
0: Well, so I think this is a really good tip. But I do under I do empathize with brands that have a compressed timeline. I understand something crazy happens, changing of the guard, all of these yes. reasons why you don't have a ton of time. But I think if it you know, in terms of a best practice to start with an RFI, I think that's a really great tip. Yeah. What next? I mean not
1: that anyone needs more forms or <laughs> yeah. processes. Yeah. I just think it could maybe ultimately focus energies, and also clarify partnership type that might make sense for the brand.
0: Yeah. And ultimately, imagine that for a brand, you kind of want to have like a tighter group of candidates and be sort of focused on a tight group that you've got a high degree of confidence in than a whole range of random solution providers. So if you could get that list really short, that's less capability demonstrations, that's less things to review. (laughs) So I would imagine having a closer targeted group with high confidence would be better for everyone.
1: Absolutely. I mean, when you think of it, going back to the job interview analogy, Mm -hmm. the RFI functions as a really tight, clear visual screen of the resumes. And then that you move into RFP, which is the interview process, once you're clear on that small set of resumes that really Align with the picture of who you're trying to hire,
0: or if it was a Bravo TV show, maybe like the resume of The Bachelor.
1: Well, so The Bachelor is on a different <laughs> network. I was never a big Bachelor fan, but we can do a whole other podcast on that. I do have a lot of material
0: on okay. Bravo. I think a good LinkedIn visual document. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right, let's so what? <laughs> do SEO people will click. Yeah. <laughs> What else, what else in terms of best practices for, on the brand side, Julie?
1: One practice, this, I'm going to try and think of how to say this so I'm not contradicting myself. Okay. <laughs> so having a clear framework for the RFP of what you're looking for is essential. Having a rigid outline of exactly this is what we're looking for and this is how we want you to answer mm. is not helpful to mm. either the agency or the
0: brand when could you give an example what would be you know example of something that is flexible and helpful versus too rigid
1: when an rfp includes like 10 questions with each question having three sub bullets and then the expectation is that the response mirrors the format of the questions, what you're setting up for yourself as a brand is having some redundancy in answers oftentimes from the mm-hmm. agency. So that's a challenge for the agency because often when when the format of the RFP is set up that way, there are redundant questions. Yep. And what you're removing is the ability for the agency to create a flow of, this is what we're seeing in your account. This is the story of how we would approach it. You're removing the ability for the agency to show their thinking, to kind of show their work. And instead it's almost like going, this is all about analogies. If you're too prescriptive in the RFP, it's akin to like when you were in second grade and you were going to do a craft and the teacher stood up in front of the class and showed you exactly how to do the craft using, you know, the exact materials. And this is what it was going to look like. Mm. Having, a bit of a background in education, what I'd suggest with the RFP is a framework where it's, these are the needs we have. These are the goals we have. And the teacher instead saying, this is what we're looking to accomplish. Show us your work. Show us your thinking and how you'll get there. And then what you have is actual differentiation and responses from the the agencies themselves. You're able Mm -hmm. to see how they function differently, how Mm -hmm. they'd approach it differently, how they might drive different results as a result of their interpretation of what you have laid out in terms of your questions and needs. When you're too prescriptive, you limit showing of thought, and ultimately, you want an agency partner that can think and help drive your account.
0: Boom, that's that's the quote. There we go. Um, <laughs> I think also it signals it could potentially signal to your future partner what that relationship is going to look like. If it's like requirement eleven F. Give a specific example of this exact scenario and what you did, and like it's redundant, and you know it's, that does sort of signal something to the partner about what that relationship might be like. To your point about can we collaborate? Can we collaborate on a solution together? Can we come up with something creative? Can we try new things and try out beta programs that? You know, like not everything, it's, it's retail media. There is a, a strong element of test and learn for every client and tactic. And so it can kind of, I don't know, do you want to give the impression that your brand is so rigid and, micromanage through that RFP process. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it can it, it is telegraphing something.
1: It definitely is. It and you also then just limit the potential impact of having an objective third party come in and see something that you're not seeing. Mm. When you're too prescribed or prescriptive yes. in your approach, you hold back what can be discovered. Um, I mean we have had RFPs where it's like questions four or five in the presentation will be allotted six minutes yep and then there's 15 <laughs> questions and it's like but wait and a what minute if
0: that's not the real issue what if the issue is like something over here or not right to talk to anything or uh, what if question yeah. five
1: itself needed those six minutes and we could really dig in there yeah but when yeah. you're that prescriptive you limit what you can actually learn not only about your potential as an account but your the potential of the partner that you're talking to
0: yeah yeah this is great. okay. real quick, any last sort of tips um, or best practices on on getting insight from the agencies and teeing up a teeing up a good relationship?
1: um you know you're looking for a true partner here, so that means it's someone that you're going to be talking to at least weekly. You're gonna be collaborating with you're trusting a significant portion of your business, your goals your own performance to this partnership. So spending some time to understand the culture and the values and the who of the agency, as opposed to just their dashboards, what their reporting looks like and how they talk about KPIs, understanding the who, it's worth the time. If you're really looking for a partner, that is very much worth the time.
0: Okay, great. All right. So let's talk about success. And you've picked a partner that you've really jammed with, the culture fit is there, values, they've really impressed you with their findings. How do you, what, how to transition from that RFP to awarding the business to getting started? Maybe not so much on the getting started, but just briefly like a, a segue into, you know, the promised land, how to sort of get t- across that final bridge to the f- promised land.
1: So going back to The Bachelor, you're about to award the final rose <laughs> to yes. your agency partner. Um, this is where having the timeline and your own processes mapped out in the RFP is helpful so that all parties know what it looks like as we're nearing the end. What is the timeline? What does legal review look like? Are you <laughs> expecting that you as the brand are going to provide the MSA where you're looking for the agency partner to redline and communicate or vice versa? where you're looking for the agency to provide the MSA and really mapping out some of those logistics, having clarity around that and what that dance looks like is helpful. Mm-hmm. Often it is this point in the RFP that can drag and have a good amount of ambiguity in it. And so planning this stage. As planning the in-
0: success.
1: Yeah. <laughs> What's it going to look like? I find the agency partner be clear on what your your target start date is, and really work to it, because mm-hmm. the agency is now saving resourcing for that partnership. So like knowing the timeline that we're wor- you're working toward, and being mm-hmm. clear on it, make sure that you're going to get the team that you were talking to in the discovery process.
0: That's a that's a really great point, and a lot of brands want to know well, who literally who am I going to be working with, and agency it, it is. Things move very quickly. That person might not be if, if we know that they're going to be available to start on date X. Then that's one thing. But if it drags out for weeks and weeks more, that's not something that an agency can commit to. Things move quickly. So if you're uh, if you really want to know who that is and be comfortable with with who your points of contact are, you need to also be. Meet us in the middle right. and uh, stick to those timelines, right, and just little nuggets of update
1: along that way, along the journey of this is this is where it's moving, or I don't have an update yet, but I just wanted to let you know it's still on the radar. Those yeah. types of things are are helpful. Um, they're helpful for can, for the agency to continue to hold
0: the spot with that team as well. <laughs> hold the spot, yeah, yep. Yeah. Great, Julie. This is good. I think I'm going to um, ask ChatGPT to do this bachelor metaphor because I think there is something there. <laughs> um, we'll see. Okay. We might end up with uh, giving giving the rose away with like seven fingers or something. <laughs> that would be interesting. Well, thank you for for expanding on this topic with me. I know it's, it's early in the year. We're coming up to Prime Day. This sort of is a time where a lot of brands are looking at their, um, you know, uh, the remit that they have with existing partners. And so hopefully there's a thing or two in here that you can um, add into your process or take away from your process if if you've discovered something there. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, Kerry.